Hello, everyone, and welcome to the GPU Podcast, Gamers Process Universe. My name is Jonathan Cole, host of this podcast, along with... Shane, I am the co-host. And uh, we have not gotten better at our hosting positions in the last year, in case you're wondering why we went on hiatus. We went on hiatus because I had no clue what the heck I was doing, and we got lazy, a.k.a. I got lazy. Um, you know, life it's, happens. It's hard to keep podcast topics going, in the sense of, like... Okay, what can we get everyone to talk about? And so, um, going forward with this podcast, because I do intend to have this continue, it will more than likely not be weekly anymore. It will probably be bi-weekly. Um, for one thing, just to give a bit more time, a bit more space between episodes to get some more information on subjects that we might care about or news that pops up. And then on top of that, uh, we will be mostly just doing it between me and Shane. We won't be hosting others on it, um, just because... Uh, issues with conflicting schedules was just causing me too much of a headache. And so if someone wants to join on Spur of the Moment, then I mean, I won't be opposed to them joining. But for the most part, I think it'll just be uh, me and Shane show for here on till a point in the future when we decide that we want more people. Yeah, having more people, it just makes it hard to coordinate. It's like hurting a, a, a gaggle of kittens. And it's not like I dis... I, I don't like having a lot of people. It's just I en- I end up going from a host to a moderator most of the time in my case, and then because I'm I'm the one that talks a lot more in general. So it's uh it's a little odd at times to be a host, and then Shane also kind of is a host, but then we're like dealing with how do we keep everyone in line and also get on topic and keep the topic rolling. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot to manage and. We are by no means professionals. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. If this thing ever blew up to the point where we could quit our jobs, I'd be pretty happy making this more professionally. Um, the only podcast, I, I don't, I only know of one podcast that is like a full-time professional venture that employs a lot of people that presumably do nothing else. So, I I know a few podcasts at this point. Podcasts have gotten a bit bigger, but... We're not expecting that. We This is more of something just for us to have a concise conversation to get our thoughts together. And uh, as we ramble through this intro, that's clearly not what's happening here, but that's uh, you're getting our conversations on uh, topics that we have decided matter a lot to us or things that we really want to discuss um, in a very specific setting. So that's what this podcast is for. And we hope those of you that listened before, uh, will pick us back up, um, and, uh, enjoy listening again. And those that are brand new to this, uh, welcome to a new beginning for a new year. Also, how'd you get here? Let us know in the comments that probably exists somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to do that on Spotify and I haven't posted YouTube in a while, but I could just rip from my other videos on Twitch. So, um, yeah, just we'll, we'll we'll figure out a way to make sure that there's some communication back and forth on this, um, because we do want to hear from people who uh, care about this podcast, because uh, it's it, it will impact on how we do things. And if there is a resounding, we need more people, we want to hear more different conversations, we can try to make that happen. But uh, it's just good to have community feedback in general, I think, especially in formats like this. Yeah, for sure. Um. With that said, uh, let's get into what our topics are going to be. Uh, so 
Today, we're uh, covering two topics. Uh, the first one is uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. It's been long enough that nearly everyone in the world should have seen it that really care at this point. Um, and You'd then, be surprised. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but if you're worried about spoilers, I'll put in the description uh, the time whenever we uh, stop talking about Spider-Man and move over to our second topic. Uh, Shane, would you like to elaborate what we're going there? Uh, yeah, we'll talk about uh, the Activision Blizzard purchase that occurred. Uh, Microsoft just dumped a boatload of money and bought them, which is kind of a huge deal for the gaming industry. Yeah, it's... I wouldn't say unprecedented, but that amount of money is kind of unprecedented. I don't um, know of any company that large that has absorbed another company in this industry. Obviously, I don't. Well, I don't know. All the, the only industry. comparison to that is uh, yesterday's announcement that Sony purchased Bungie for three point six billion dollars. Which, given the timing, seems kind of reactionary, but it's been in the works for six months at least. Is what all the presidents of every company is talking. So, who's to say that Microsoft wasn't reactionary, but they got to the deal first? So, uh, who, who's to who's to say what's happening exactly? Which is why we're going to go in and further discuss uh, what is happening here and what we think will result in. In my case, my favorite games are owned by all three of the uh, major players that were purchased. Um, so I have particular stake in these companies, but also just in general, what this looks like for the industry as a whole, um, for all the games that we love to play. Yep. My perspective on this is more of a interest in the industry rather than interest in the companies. Yeah. So, uh, with that said, um, yeah, we can, uh, hop over to Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, this is your only spoiler warning you are getting from here till whenever we leave this topic. So here, here here's a quick rundown. Uh, everyone dies. Cool. If you ha- now are listening and you ha- want to deal with spoilers, now you can start listening. After that point, I hope you've seen it or you don't care because we're talking through all the plot points that we can. This is such a spoiler-heavy movie. It's impossible to talk about without everything in this movie is epic and spoiler-heavy, and it's awesome because of that. Like even just giving an opinion on the movie is kind of a spoiler for people who. It's like, oh, what did you think about the movie? Oh, I, I got nostalgia kicked in the face. Like that's kind of what happened. <laughs> and even that would be a spoiler for the Sherlock Holmeses among us. Yeah. No. Seriously. So. Uh, with that said, uh, you, do you have anything in particular you wanted to hop into first with uh, No Way Home, Shane? Um, I guess we could just start with the obvious big three elephants in the room. Oh, yeah, yeah. You go ahead and enlighten our audience who's all at this point hopefully seen it. <laughs> They've either seen it or they are totally checked out, which, if that's the case, why are you watching and, or listening? Anyway, <laughs> uh, so in an unprecedented move they brought back spider-man from the existing movie franchises toby Maguire and andrew garfield which let's just get this out of the way real quick everything about the material everything about online before the movie came out andrew garfield repeatedly denied being in this film repeatedly there there's there were like so many leaked things and he's like nope i'm not in it I've so seen like, a, a lot of stuff about that that was he never specifically said I am never 
or he had, he he had some very specific wording. Like he yeah. never I don't think he ever actually said the words I am not in this movie. Well, yeah, okay, maybe he didn't specifically, which credit to the people who were in charge of that marketing employee because it was marketed. Let's let, let's get this straightforward. At this point in Marvel and in any major film industry of multiple movies and leaks, leaks are almost certainly either intentional or at the very least they see them and they're like, we can control this. And I think there was like a screenshot or something that of a either a picture from the set, something like that, that came out. And that was what a lot of the talk shows that Andrew was on was they were presenting uh, it to was, him and being like explained. Which is so funny because even Corridor Digital, I think they had to have an NDA or something because they were like, yeah, this is fake. Because it was a shot of him grabbing the railing of something and like just sitting. And that's a shot from one of the final fight sequences right before it all happens. And he's just chilling and talking. So like it's 100% in the movie and from like the movie. So just the way that they play it off like, oh, yeah, that's just something from somewhere. Someone photoshopped it. And they, they even had an artist claim it. So the the amount of effort done to like keep things under wraps, but at the same time everyone knows that it's going to happen, is just insane. And then if you looked at like the trailers, the trailers give away every spoiler except for the Spider Man. Like you knew who the villains would be, they introduced all those, but you didn't know that Spider Man were coming back. So like they put so much effort into keeping the Spider Man secret. It's almost like. They overshared with the villains to distract from the fact that the Spider-Men were coming. Yeah, which, I mean, granted, we could have seen an epic movie of, like, Spider-Man versus Sinister Sticks, but that's always played out better, in my opinion, on the comics and in animated TV shows. Well, it's never uh, been done in live action that I'm aware of. I mean, no, I, I would I would agree. I'm just referring to, like, I don't know how they would pull it off in live action in the sense that still makes the person playing Spider-Man seem human at all. They would need to have uh, help. It wouldn't just be Spider-Man. It would be like Spider-Man and Black Cat or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, they would they would definitely have to have some more people at play in it, which is why whenever they were going through um, like, OK, what I want to do real quick is I want to go back to the beginning of the movie, because in in all fairness for me, the Spider-Man weren't even my favorite part of like cameos in this movie. And they weren't cameos, to be clear. Like that that we had significant play. Okay. Um, Explain. My my all-time fave. So like going in, you see like we get the ramifications of like Peter's actions and what happens with Mysterio and the uh previous movie, and like you see everyone knows he's Spider-Man, everyone is going on. There's class action lawsuits, there's him being dealt with at school. And then out of left field, we get Matt Murdock from the Daredevil series on Netflix. We we actually get Daredevil as his lawyer, which everyone was wanting, and I didn't actually think was going to happen at that point. I was just convinced that the Spider-Man were happening, and boom, he is there. And then we have him give one of the most like here. I'm gonna tease everyone in the audience with this, but because you guys know, but I don't want to reveal anything because Marvel hasn't committed anything yet. But it's just like, oh, I'm a really good lawyer. That's how I just caught this brick through a window, even though I'm blind. Yeah, just like. That's- that's a very <laughs> memeable quote. 
it's just everything about it was perfect in the sense of like you got just enough of him that I was I was super happy of seeing him and it was just like oh everyone who knows knows but then it wasn't like he was a huge point it was just like okay let's bring this story to something that everyone's going to start connecting with more although um, to that point it seems kind of weird that a, a room full of people who are well acquainted with super people including Spider-Man himself they didn't they didn't tug at that thread at all. They were just like, oh, yeah, he's a good lawyer, and they let him leave. Um, I feel like it was one of those things that maybe it doesn't make the most sense in hindsight, but also, what are they going to do? Like, there's, yeah, obviously he there's didn't superheroes the all story. over the world, so it's not like they can control every aspect of that or know who everyone is. Yeah, there, there wasn't really anywhere to go with that story, but it just seems kind of weird if you think about it too much. Yeah, yeah. I guess no, the answer he's... there is don't think about it too much. Yeah. Just no, enjoy I, I... the the cameo. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that that was really really fun. Uh having the what I was never expecting to happen. I never thought the only like so they had Luke Cage, they had Iron Fist, they had Jessica Jones, and they had Daredevil. And I thought we weren't going to get any of them, much less the best one out of all of them which is daredevil well actually ever in the mcu here's a question have you seen hawkeye yes yes i have was i guess spoilers for hawkeye um was kingpin's reveal before or after no way home came out i don't remember kingpin was revealed after at least for me i watched it afterwards um but they didn't reveal Kingpin until, yeah, like a ways afterwards, it looked like. Because I, I want to say that I I knew that Vincent D'Onofrio, the guy who played Kingpin, was again being Kingpin in Hawkeye. Which, by the way, everything about Hawkeye, we're not talking about Hawkeye here, but everything about Hawkeye was like a fun, like, bait and lead across the whole show. Like, it was really fun to see, like, in essence, a mentor buddy cop movie across yeah, it, multiple it, it shows. It was good. I really liked Yelena in that. Dude, Yelena took the show. Yelena takes every movie she's in and just like, yeah, you're, I'm the favorite. Everyone knows. Her friendship with, I don't even know what to call it a friendship, but her uh, relate, acquaintanceship, I guess, with Kate Bishop, I really like that whole dynamic. I, I, I love the stick where she's just like, Yes, Kate Bishop. It's like, are you saying my name because you know it and you want to make me fear that? And she's like, yeah. And you're just like, well, she deadpanned you. So, yeah, that's this is terrifying. Um, uh, but yes, no. So Kingpin being in that, I think, is cool because it, it definitely, if anything, it's kind of like almost legitimizing the Daredevil aspect, but it's not legitimizing the Defenders, which I I don't think Marvel should. Um Luke Cage and all of them were okay for the time period when we had the Marvel and Netflix stuff, but really they were not that good of shows. Yeah. I mean, even Daredevil at season three, I don't think I finished season three, to be honest. I think I finished season three, but yeah, no, season two, one and two were really what it was. And like Kingpin was really the best of like Daredevil. It was yeah, that, just that actor play Kingpin perfectly in my opinion, which is why they brought him into Hawkeye and it was epic. For that matter, I think I think his name is Charlie. He's really good at being Daredevil. Yes, yes. I uh I watching both No Way Home and Hawkeye, 
first off, Hawkeye did so many times where I'm like, okay, wait, who are we talking about? Because they kept on referencing Kingpin. And, like, you think they're referencing Kingpin, but who's going to believe that they're actually going to pull legitimately Kingpin in from, like, all the way back from the Netflix series? I think the first time they referenced him, they they called him the big guy. And yeah. I was like, wait a second. The only other time they've said the big guy in the entire MCU, they were talking about the Hulk. Right. And I only kind of thought it was Kingpin near the end when I started seeing more leads to mafias and such in like underground runs because there's two guys that they've only ever called the big guy and they're always referring to the Spider-Man series with either Kingpin or they're running it with Tombstone. Yeah. And so, so it's it was pretty obvious it was going to be Kingpin after a certain point, but at first it was like, hold on, that phrasing just triggered a different an entirely different area in my brain. Yeah, no, it, it definitely changed up how we were thinking things through with all of it. Um, so at the, that that said, Marvel is doing a really good job of pulling obscure people in across the board, along with p- pulling some of your favorites in as well. Uh, because also the, the would-be stepdad of that series... He's a little known hero known as the Swordsman, and he was on multiple Avengers comics runs. Yeah. But I thought we were going to get something more. Oh, who is this? What 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 could we find out? And then he just kind of was like, yeah, which I mean, it, that's that's what he is, though, in the comics is he's the goofy, really good swords guy. He's just a dude that really likes swords. So it's just it, it's interesting to see that play out. Um but we have, we have gone off track enough now, but uh, back to No Way Home. Right. Then you see he goes to Doctor Strange to go fix everything. Some I don't know who it was that I saw this point out, but someone pointed out, I was like, they, he said, can everyone forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? I'm like, why don't you have everyone forget about Mysterio? Yeah, because, that would have been a better way to go about that. Yeah, because like then it's like everything's taken care of there was no reveal spider-man there's no way they could have known because mysterio revealed them so like that i feel like that was just a after looking at it in hindsight that's like my only gripe with the movie and i i know that's like still me looking at rose rose covered glasses but there's a reason why that movie has such a high running crit run tomato score in every way so it's it's uh it just was I think one of those story beats that it had to happen a certain way. And I think it was fine because we got an incredible movie. Um, yeah, I have another example of that, but it happens at the literal end of the movie. Okay. Uh, let's then let's uh, continue walking through the story where then we see Peter keeps on screwing up the spell because he wants certain people to know that he's still Spider-Man and everything. And then you get this crazy introduction of, He's trying to figure figure out his problems normal style, and then very much classic Spider-Man cartoon. The villain shows up on like the middle of a freeway or whatever, <laughs> just just out of nowhere. We get the weirdest intro of like villains popping in. Yeah, he w- he was he was on the freeway for something entirely different, talking to the MIT lady, and then suddenly Doc Ock is there. Which, let's just first off look at, like, all these villains that came in, and let's just appreciate that Doc Ock, original actor, wanted to play the character and, like, really 
did devote himself back to this character that is like nearly two decades old, honestly. And he really didn't look that much older, in my opinion. Yeah. And then we have uh, Sandman come back. We had, uh, in all fairness, I think Michael B. Jordan's with uh, Electro. They finally did him justice in this movie. Like, Amazing Spider-Man 2 had many flaws, and one of them was just Electro was not a villain in the right way. Wait, Michael B. Jordan? Isn't that who played Electro? No, that's Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx played Electro. I'm sorry. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan was Killmonger. Yeah, my brain for some reason thought it was the same. My apologies to both. Uh, But yeah, Jamie Foxx came in and reprised his role, and they gave him actually some good lines and some good character development in the movie. And they kind of pulled it off, like, with the whole universe switching, so he, like, upgraded physically. Yeah, and also had the classic Electro look, but it didn't look cheesy. It was like, oh, shoot, that's a power-up. Yeah, but they did it just enough to where they could, like, hand-wave away the the changes to make it make sense. Yeah, it's like, oh, everything feels different in this dimension. It's like, there's mm. a different energy to this place. And his power is literally energy, so. Yeah, and then the above, well, first off, let's also talk about the tree that is now in Sinister Six. <laughs> Whenever they ca- capture this tree with the magic, and it's just like, does this tree do anything specifically? No, man, it's just a tree. <laughs> just, it got me laughing just so much. Um, but the, like, takes points in this movie because he devoted himself to this character did his own stunts most of the points we had defoe come back as goblin and it was incredible because he made me believe so many different things even though i watched original goblin and totally saw every lie but didn't want to believe the lies because it just seemed genuine defoe's goblin laugh triggered every nostalgia cell i have in my body oh yeah no i i was i don't know if i had nightmares but i was terrified of original goblin or an original spider-man i was too i could never watch that scene where he's uh he's getting the green stuff injected like Mm -hmm. it freaked me out when he killed that scientist guy i was creeped out whenever he was like doing this crying child in the burning building and then like sneaks up on peter yep that's a weird one too like, gosh, everything about it is just so out there. And the like the way that they make him portrayed throughout the movie, you think he's like fighting this. And there's moments that, yeah, it's clear that it's been he's fighting and he's helping. But it's also like, OK, but Goblin's not gone. He didn't win this battle yet. And like that was the one that, that that's that's really the point of the movie, though, is we're seeing Tom Holland Spider-Man take up the mantle and become fully Spider-Man throughout this movie. Like this, as awesome as it is being his third movie of the MCU and his, like, this is his trilogy. It's also basically saying, oh yeah, everything in the MCU up until this point is this Spider-Man's origin story. Pretty much, yeah. And so we we see him do this, like, he doesn't trust any of these villains and he's trying to figure out his own life, but then he, he gets basically the great power get responsibility talk from his aunt which they like straight up say great power great responsibility almost i think they, they altered like a word or two 
but with they, great power there must also come great responsibility yeah like they basically finally said legitimately what it was which everyone was like oh they're just playing around on it the previous movies but this time it was like no yeah like, straight up this and then he actually like has to like dive into helping save these villains which is so spider-man that we haven't really seen before like they they tried to make it happen in like the original trilogy with him helping sandman and they tried to make it happen with helping electro jamie fox but it was never like what we see in the comics and in the tv shows of spider-man actually empathizing with his villains and trying to help them i think andrew andrew's spider-man kind of did that with the lizard kind of he did kind of but it, it was more so the degree that we saw it was definitely more about saving new york than it was the lizard yeah and because they did this the way that they did this let's just appreciate this movie is a meme like they every time there's like a one-liner that you love it was meant because they're like this will be a meme like when Defoe said, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. And everyone was like, he said the line. He said the line. He said the line. <laughs> he said it. Or the fact that twice, one in costume and one in the science lab, all three Spider-Men point at each other. Like the classic, every, the multiple Spider-Men pointing at each other being like, wait, I'm you, you, you're me, what? They totally did, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking. I was I was just thinking, was there ever actually a part where they pointed at each other? But yeah, when uh when Ned is like Peter and they're all like, Me? No? The other Peter? Yeah. And then they huh. also did that at the Statue of Liberty when they were all just chilling. And they were talking about like their the things that they fought and stuff, and they were like pointing at each other doing that. Which that was my favorite part of the entire movie was just the three Spider Men talking to each other about being Spider Man. It was hilarious and also so gut wrenching and like personal and like let's just appreciate that. I uh, for our age, I would argue, Shane, like we we grew up with the original three, but in reality, we Amazing Spider Man one and two are really the movies that like were what whenever we were first really super getting into superheroes. I would argue, like mm. that they were right around the same time frame as Iron Man. I suppose, but. A big part of my movie uh, bubble as a child was seeing every Marvel every Marvel movie with my dad, and like I vividly remember my birthday when Superman not Superman Spider Man three came out. My mm-hmm. dad took me out of school early, and we went to go see it, and it was a terrible movie, but I loved it so much because of that. Yeah, no, I mean, but it was. You say terrible movie. Spider-Man 3 was like a super fun movie perspective of us as kids. Have you watched it recently, though? I, I have not, and I want to keep my registered glasses on. Yeah, um, I did a, I did a Spider-Man marathon before I watched No Way Home. And it's good in a nostalgic cheese way, but it is not good if you just... Well, I can't know. imagine it's that good when all we remember from it is emo Spider-Man when Peter Parker's doing all this cringy dance moves. There are some very cringy lines that come with that movie too. Yeah. Like I'm going to put some dirt in your eye or yeah. now dig on this. Yeah. It's, it's uh, it's some bad. It's, it's real bad, but, but it's in a good way. one and two were at least for me were whenever I was finally choosing my own movies to see like my fan, my, I was like, I was old enough to ch- go and see movies and like 
at that point they had come out with Amazing Spider-Man one and two, and I wanted to love them because I I saw the originals and I'm like, oh, this is a different take, and like it still could be a lot of fun, and they they crapped the bed. <laughs> yeah, I saw those with my dad too when we were, we were both like, uh, it's missing something. It's not See, good. The funny thing though is, whereas like you, you look at uh, the original trilogy and like. They were some they were good Spider-Man movies like they were before MCU. They were before any concept of like what a superhero movie could be was. Well, there were um, plenty Marvel movies before Spider-Man. I'm thinking like blockbuster deserving top. I would go watch again easily movies because like yeah, not big ones, of course. But yeah, there were like movies. they Spider-Man movies like the first three were like the what every superhero movie wish it could be. Yeah. Um, and then you got the next two. Let it be said, I loved Amazing Spider-Man 2. But not because it was a good movie, but because its soundtrack was, it did not deserve the soundtrack it had. Ah, soundtrack. Like, I listened to that soundtrack so much studying in high school. You know, I I can honestly say I don't remember a single thing about the sound design in that movie. Other than the itsy bitsy spider that Electro played at the power plant, it, it's it was my introduction to like what EDM and dubstep was basically, huh. because all the Electro music was EDM dubstep like impress. I would play it right now, except I don't want to get DSCMA even on a Spotify thing because this will be on Spotify. Right. But if you if if you care, listeners. Go go listen to Amazing Spider-Man 2 soundtrack and there's like I think I'm Electro is like one of the better songs in it. Um just because it has so much bass drop in it, like it just is like, okay, this is like introducing and then they crapped it with the terrible choice on CGI and stuff. Um so looking cool. all the previous movies aside and everything, uh something that I I I've always attributed to those Amazing Spider-Man movies though, what they did good. Is they humanize Spider Man and they actually like Andrew Garfield is like Tom Holland is like the whole package of Spider Man, like the Spider Man we deserve because he is great as Peter Parker, he's quippy as Spider Man, like across the board, he fits what Spider Man has always been in the comics and in the TV shows and like what we love. Andrew Garfield was incredible as Spider Man, he had all the quips, he was funny, maybe he was a little corny and cringy, but that was that's Spider Man. Like being cringy is half of what Spider-Man's joke is with his villains. And so he was, he was good at Spider-Man, but he felt weird as a Peter. He felt too cool yeah, to be Peter. Exactly. Yeah. He, he was, they tried to make him awkward. They tried to make him a Peter Parker and he couldn't be, which they is made like, him like a, a cool skater. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It just didn't really work for me. There, there was, there's issues with that. And then you look at the original uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and he wasn't the Spider-Man like he's heroic Spider-Man. He he's like he there was it was an origin story with the first one, but he never felt like an origin story Spider-Man. If you want to look compared to the other two, um, I mean at the time I didn't really know anything about Spider-Man. So well, yeah, no, I mean for it was my introduction to Spider-Man, but like. When I look at every other rendition of Spider-Man, he is nothing connected with them. Agreed. Other than, uh, you know, Uncle Ben. Yeah, yeah. So, like, 
he's his own thing. And then that's what they did. So also like they, they clearly denoted the characteristics between the different Spider-Men. Like in the movie, you so like, we already clearly tell which like their differences, but like they, they continue to bring that throughout the whole movie of like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is like, are you just going to look like a pretty cool youth pastor the whole time? And then he's just like, I'm wearing the costume underneath dude. And then uh, Andrew Garfield, I think it was so cool to see like what is clearly his redemption saga in No Way Home. They referenced the back cracking more than was comfortable. Almost. Almost. Like when uh, he was cracking, when he was cracking Toby Maguire's back, it was like, oh, you actually did a good back crack. OK, so I didn't think about it that way at all. I just thought about the fact that like Spider-Man actually would develop like specifically odd things because of the nature of how they move throughout the city. Yeah, which is uh, again, I love that whole conversation of was probably my highlight of the movie. Yeah, when, no, when it was heroes can just talk to other heroes about mundane stuff about being a hero. I don't something about that. It just it hits it hits different. Yeah, no, without a doubt, it, it it just it humanizes like something that we normally don't see. Avengers, like they're these legendary heroes, and everyone's dealing with these really hard conflicts, and like we we just see what is in essence Tobey Maguire, and then also Tom Holland both go to Andrew Garfield's Spider Man and be like, "Dude, you're awesome!" Like, d- let me let me hear you say that. Like, just like dealing with what is self doubt because like even Andrew Garfield is like. Look at real life. He didn't want to stop playing Spider-Man, but he was dealt a bad hand with the movies. He was dealt a bad hand with them cutting away the third movie that could be. Yeah. And so it's like he was the quote unquote real life failure of Spider-Man because he was cut short. But like, no, he is awesome as Spider-Man. And they're like, no, dude, you're an awesome as Spider-Man. You do all this cool stuff. And like, I felt like they were talking about Spider-Man, but I also felt like they were talking about the actor, too. Like for me, it was really wholesome watching that. Yeah, it it. What's the word I'm looking for? It uh, re- it 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 redeemed him. That's the word I'm looking for. It redeemed. Yeah, it redeemed both him as Spider Man and, and as uh his own real life acting. Acting. Arc. Yeah. Yeah. No. And in all fairness, I've. At, because of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, I've watched tons of Andrew Garfield stuff because I loved him as an actor. Like I could see, even though he had terrible script and terrible movies, he still was a really good actor, and I've loved seeing his other movies and stuff that he's done. To be honest, I've looked at his other movies, and they all seem like huge bummers. So I haven't watched them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, uh, yes, Hacksaw Ridge is a bummer, but he's so good in it. And um, I think there's one called The Silence, where he's like, a Spanish or Portuguese Jesuit. There's a there's there's a new one that's like he just does really well with downtrodden people, I think. Um, but then also Hacksaw Ridge has a good positive ending for him. I, like it's I will I will watch it at some point. It's just it's not my vibe to watch a movie to to feel the feels, you know. I I get you. Yeah, and that's that's fair. Um, back to Spider Man as a whole is uh just. We also see Tom Holland's character change so drastically across this movie. Like, I think it's because he finally had the tragedy that is kind of a cornerstone of every Spider-Man. I mean, but he also technically lost Uncle Ben originally, didn't he? 
Or did there he was, not have an there Uncle was Ben? There was no Uncle Ben. Unless you count I, Tony Stark I, as Uncle Ben. I thought they just like treated it like Uncle Ben already had died. I don't I don't think they ever mentioned an Uncle Ben other than maybe being like, Oh, were you ever married? And he was like, Oh, I was at one point. I don't think huh. they ever mentioned an Uncle Ben dying. I guess that yeah, I, I just always assumed while we was watching them like it was just a we've seen it enough times we don't need to see it again. Which I mean, in all fairness, it was one of those things to a certain degree. For However, sure. it they did oh, just Aunt May dying was gut wrenching. It was, but it kind of needed to happen to have Spider Man be Spider Man. I mean, yes, no, don't get me wrong. It's just like, and anytime you see a Spider Man movie or anything like that, there's always Aunt May. She's always there. Like this is the. The first Peter Parker we're seeing, which is like lost legitimately everything. Yeah, because of how it ended, literally everything, which was so also like awesome and gut wrenching in the ending itself, which um, since we're now we, talking about the ending. Yeah, um, my point earlier that I had referred to was so the way the movie ended um, was everybody forgetting that Peter Parker exists, not Spider-Man, right. but Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. So his whole very emotional scene with Ned and uh, not Zendaya, MJ, mm-hmm. that whole emotional scene, it was like, it really made it sound like he was going to try to rebuild the friendship after they forget about him. Right. And I feel like the best way to do that would have been, stay there while the spell happens and then when their memory is wiped be like here's why you're here and here's who i am yeah but no he left yeah i i don't know uh movie logic that's that's my only conclusion i can get from this like he needed to to make the story go where they wanted it to go i get that Mm -hmm. but it kind of bothered me to be like if i was spider-man or peter parker in that moment i would have stayed there and been like i can explain yeah please listen please understand it's it's so it's so weird and then like the ending of the movie it made sense on how they treated it like whenever he came back and was like saying hi for the first time for them but like was trying to get back in their lives again the, the play of emotions and his decision process was so like unsaid, but also so clearly seen on the screen. And you're just like, tell them. And you're like, but he's going to sound crazy. And just like it, the whole and then, time. You're... <laughs> and then he looked at her band aid and was like, I did that. She was hurt because of me. You oh, can see I, him look at the cut. And I that's when he that. makes the switch. That's I when he decides that. not to tell her. Oh, snap. I wonder how this is going to play out then. Because like, uh, for those who do not know, they have already set it up where Tom Holland is playing Spider-Man for three more movies, like three more Spider-Man movies. Oh, they have. Yeah. He already uh, signed the deal. Sweet. So like, cause I was terrified. We were like, just being like, Oh, Spider-Man goes off in the sunset and this is the end of his story in the MCU. Um, but which no, it feels like, like they set it up that way just in case business deals went poorly. which I mean, in all fairness, they could have easily done that. And I would be annoyed, but at the same time, it was awesome. Um, but yeah, no, there, there's been multiple confirmations across the industry that we are getting to have more uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man. Good deal. 
So I, I'm looking forward to what comes next because they gave him the classic suit in the ending. They gave him, oh, you have to have rent due at this time. And the Daily uh, Bugle is like big again in this universe. So like he can start working for JJ taking pictures of himself. <laughs> oh, we, we're seeing like what Spider-Man was before and like seeing him actually like turn into it. What, I guess what we know as Spider-Man. I guess Peter Parker's deal is kind of that he likes photography, but I don't think I've seen Tom's Peter Parker hold a camera even. Yeah, no, he was just a science nerd. I mean, there's multiple versions of like the Peter Parkers over the years, and he's always been just a science nerd side of it. And then they've like sometimes moved into the picture side of stuff. But it's a little harder, I think, to like we we understood this environment a bit better um, because of the like he wasn't doing camera stuff because like everyone has a smartphone now like why why do they have to be a camera guy this is true so like it it, it grounded him in the new universe and like an upgraded or an updated lore than i think otherwise um but we'll still like we'll probably see like oh hey looks amazing spider-man quality pictures and like all this other stuff like it'll be it's it's different and it's new and it's refreshing to see like what was and they? I don't even think that it started out as an origin story, but like it's an origin story now. Like it's it's all his story of becoming the Spider-Man that we knew. Yeah, it's so, just a very long origin story because it took three movies. But I will take not, that not including story. the Avengers. I will take that origin story over Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, very much so. But at the same time, I will appreciate that it does reference and call back to like, oh, and the amount of memes, I don't know, you might have seen these like, look at me, I am the first Marvel movie now with Tony McGuire's Spider-Man looking at Iron Man. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Which I did like that they didn't really make any of it necessary to watch. Like you could have just not seen any of the previous Spider-Mans and still got it. Yeah, because like you know, there's kids that never had seen that. Yeah, which is sad if you think about it. Because man, those those were our classics. But at the same time, they're also cringeworthy classics. But again, so. at the same time, I don't think any other movie has capitalized on 20 years of nostalgia quite, quite like that. Okay, let's real talk. Let's talk real quick. Um, I we we don't have much more time, I think, on this subject to give. In all fairness to the other subject, but let's talk real quick about what uh this movie did because looking at the other movies, Eternals kind of bombed, and like other movies, kind of are questionable. Spider-Man did one thing really well. They didn't give a crap about being woke. They didn't give a crap about pandering to certain audiences. They just told an incredible story and gave us nostalgia out the wazoo. It was a film that was basically a love letter to the fans. Just, yeah. just straight up. There was nev- not a point at all that was given. It was like, we could have done that, but we did. No, they just gave it all. There, there was no stop. Like going in, I expected... Uh, I did expect Toby and Gar and uh, Andrew to show up. I did not expect them to take such an active role in the plot. 
I didn't expect us to get, like, I thought we'd get cameos here and there. No, everyone was in this film. The only cameo, quote-unquote, would have been Matt Murdock Lawyer. And even he actually played a role in this. Yeah. Like, his cameo was more than any cameo we ever saw from Stan Lee. So, like, if that if there was a bar, everything about my expectations was blown away. And that's saying something, because I was really looking forward to this movie. I, I ordered a Spider-Man Under Armour shirt so I could wear it to the film because I was like, this is the last Spider-Man potentially. I am like going all out for this. Was it bright red? Uh, it was Tom Holland's uh, final suit from the second movie. So the one that has the black on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't wash it with your whites or else you'll get pink socks like Toby. <laughs> But uh, man, like I, I, I had so many tampered expectations. Like I was, I was tempering everything. I was like, nope, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun, but it's not gonna be that good. It was that good. It met and even exceeded every expectation I had for it. I I don't think I've had I've watched a movie with this many expectations in such a long time and not come out being like, oh, like. The amount of times we've seen movies together and like think about like afterwards, like, oh, I kind of wish they had did this. Like we do you talk about like, oh, I regret this or why did they have to change that or why was this this way? And then we saw in this movie, I came out with nothing but praise, which I mean, I'm not a critic by any means. Like I'm as a, I'm as much of a critic as any other human on this earth is a critic. But I normally have some gripe and i didn't it wasn't until days later when people had started breaking down the movie that i was like huh that was yeah that kind of just was cheesy but like if that's all the gripes are is like oh look they just made this one line to make the plot happen that is such a small issue compared to what could have been yeah like if we're being real even during this conversation i thought of another thing that kind of bothers me now that i think about it but it's not it's not a big deal at all Wait, okay, so um, let, let's hear that out, and then I think we probably need to move on to the next subject. Uh, Doctor Strange, he's supposed to be, like, super brilliant, right? Right. Why did he take a high schooler into his magic basement and then immediately start a world-altering spell without discussing the specifics? <laughs> um, yeah, the Doctor Strange element was definitely, at times... Uh, and I've heard people like a friend of mine gripe that Doctor Strange in this movie kind of w- went back on his old style, like they lost character development with him. Yeah. Um, I can see that argument for it. But I also would be like, if anything, it humanized him more because like just because someone becomes better doesn't mean that they don't revert back at times to like an older appearance. But at the same time, it it was affecting Peter's life in a huge way. He should have said, like, specifically, here's what's going to happen. Are you okay with this? Before he just, you know, started setting the fire. Yeah. And I I would say that, yes, there was issues with it. But it's also kind of a Fitz's character. And, like, he's still, despite everything, he is still pretty self-confident. Like, he's not arrogant. an a-hole. Like, yeah, arrogant indeed. Like, he's not what he used to be but he still is that he's still smoke he still was the sorcerer supreme now technically isn't because wong got loopholed in um which was in itself kind of funny to like watch that interaction yeah <laughs> just like he's super wait i thought you were sorcerer supreme well you see a loophole and wong was like yeah i'm sorcerer supreme now 
I guess just, I guess final thoughts are it needed to happen for the plot and it can be somewhat explained. And it, These it, it introduced are all, after all. all this multiverse stuff introduced for what we're going to see in Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness, which is probably a whole other conversation when that movie comes out. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we could also talk about how they're bringing in some aspects of the What If series. I also guess that. we haven't mentioned Venom at all. Oh, yeah. Venom was kind of like a token throwaway, but now he's an actual potential for in that universe. So we'll see what Sony lets happen. But not uh, Eddie Brock, just Venom. Yeah, which, I mean, there's an Eddie Brock in that universe, theoretically, so it could be. Um. But anyways, we we might bring up more Spider-Man stuff in future podcasts um, if we think of anything. But I think we've covered mostly what that movie was and all the things that we have to gripe and or just praise, which I feel like this is one of those cases where it's like we've done nothing but literally praise what this movie was. Yeah, we've pulled all the juicy potatoes we have. Anything past this is just like icky, spotty eye potatoes. Like. Well, I hate potatoes in general, but I understand your point. Um, you know okay, this. Fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, this is the time now when you can come back. If you are a listener, welcome back to uh, this. We probably went way longer on Spider-Man No Way Home, but it is a movie that deserves the time that we spent. Because go watch it. it. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. What are you doing? It is my favorite superhero movie of all time. I f- I would need to watch Dark Knight again, but I it's up there for sure. To but I, it beats Dark Knight for me, but also I guess like Dark Knight's best of DC. This yeah. is best of Marvel easy. Yeah, I the, I, we, I can agree that with that. That there's only one movie that beats this movie, and it's a Spider-Man movie, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for me. Um because of the care that they took in the animation and all the technical stuff I know in that movie. But yes, no, no way home. Go see if you have it. If you have, you know what we're talking about. It was awesome. Uh, next topic here. Let's talk about uh, Microsoft has acquired Bungie and or not nope. Bungie. Sorry. Nope. That is not the story. Uh, Sony acquired Bungie, which is its own can of worms. We will get into Microsoft has acquired Activision Blizzard and cut. King uh, Studios, which I didn't even know that they were part of that umbrella, but uh, what is that? They are the ones that do Candy Crush. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which, in all fairness, I think might be a reason why that price tag would have been so high. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I don't know anybody who plays Candy Crush, but I'm sure there are tons and tons of middle aged, you know, moms out there who don't money into it. Yeah. So. Let's just talk real quick about what this looks like to the gaming industry as a whole, because uh, Microsoft acquiring companies is at this point not new, but it's still relatively new-ish to what we see for industry, because we haven't really seen the uh, efforts that come from Microsoft owning all these game studios yet. Like it's Game development takes a long time, and they acquired Bethesda and a bunch of ones in the past two years now. And so we have a lot to kind of come see from all this. And I'm I'm looking forward to the games that come. Uh, what's interesting is seeing what role Microsoft has in all this, because we have games like Halo Infinite, and that's like the only game I can think of that's like 343 was already a Microsoft studio from the get go. 
And so what they did is they redeemed themselves with Halo Infinite. Like Halo Infinite's awesome. I haven't even finished the single player storyline because I'm way too far into Destiny at this point to not want to try and do everything I can before the season resets. And Um, I haven't played Halo Infinite at all because I've been busy with other games. Wait, you haven't played with us at all? Nope. Not once. Never booted it up. I played a little bit of the storyline and I was like, this is leaps and bounds from what four and five were like. It's it's awesome. Uh, So we have seen good games from Microsoft Studios, but that was also already a Microsoft Studio game developer from the get go. So, like, I'm curious what will happen now to for me, my favorite games that I've played in the sense of Overwatch and also Call of Duty now. Uh, being owned by Microsoft, which I never would have thought Activision Call of Duty would have gone to another company. I I don't think that it's possible to have a conversation about this without mentioning the terrible management of Activision Blizzard. And yeah, that's, that's kind yeah. of the reason I feel like why it was bought. I I believe that is also correct. And let's just get this out of the way. There was so many things wrong with Activision Blizzard. Um, Sex scandal after uh, issue, core after issue after like it was bad. It was real bad. The only reason Overwatch as a game was like so beloved was because Jeff, the dev, the for the, the lead dev for the team was so adamant about being incorporated with the community. And he would always give dev updates. He left the company over how bad it was. So most of these IPs that you love didn't really have mo- anywhere to go. Unless I'm yeah. missing yeah. something. No, 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 no. They were dead. Like overwatch two was delayed after delayed. And it was dead. Like we thought we were lost. I, I, I would say, me talking with all my friends that play Overwatch, we were like, yeah, we're never going to get Overwatch 2. We're never going to get anything out of this. Like, it's it's over. Call of Duty didn't matter because Call of Duty is Call of Duty. You just throw another tag and throw some different weapons and throw some mops and you're fine. Um, but Overwatch has like a heart and a soul to it. Like, that's the reason why it was loved by the community. And they crapped the bed on it for now over a year and a half of terrible content and not giving any care towards the community. And, and they so, still could because the lead developer Jeff, he's gone. He, I, unless they're bringing him back, I don't know. I don't. Follow if they could bring him back, that would be amazing. But he he already is like a lead developer at another company already. Yeah. Um, so we lost him. The but damage is done. It. But what Microsoft buying Blizzard did for all people that cared was, oh. We just got thrown the biggest life preserver ever for a game that we loved. And they know that there's a raving community wanting this game already. Like Overwatch 2 has been wanted. I got my first full time job the day Overwatch 2 was announced. And I've been working full time for over two years now. Got to scrimp together those pennies to pay for Overwatch 2 and all those loot boxes. Oh, gosh, no, please, no. Microsoft, fix the loot box system. You're better than this. I don't even care. Yes, they are. There's loot boxes in Halo Infinite, isn't there? There's the season pass, and then you can buy in the store, but that's also a 343 problem. Anyway, Um, that's not what we're talking about. So, like, Microsoft can freaking save Blizzard's, which, like, if you want to talk about how bad it was and like why we know it's saved now, 
the devs of Overwatch have laid into the previous CEO. Well, I guess he's technically a CEO still, but he's leaving the CEO of Blizzard. They have killed him on Twitter. They have posted thing after thing being like, thanks for having us work on this stuff that never came to fruition. You said, hey, let's do this for three months. And then you changed your mind. And canceled everything that we had just worked on. And it's like, no wonder Overwatch 2 and Overwatch were lacking content and were getting delayed. It's because the leadership did not give a crap and did not really think through what they were asking their developers to work on. It does feel a little bit early to say anything was saved, but at the very least, I feel like Microsoft is turning the ship away from the gigantic iceberg it was headed toward. Yes, and I... Okay, maybe it's a little early to say it's safe, but Overwatch 2 devs have, like, come out in swarms. Like, there's... uh, I can think of at least eight that are, like, high-level devs in the game that have come out on Twitter and been like, guys, we're fixing this, finally. It's happening. We got better leadership now. Yes, and now they have... Not just that, but they have the Microsoft support so they can get more devs hired on. Like, 7.6 billion dollar buyout that means that they can have so much money put into development let's reiterate that that number because it sounded like you said 7.6 not 7d.6 right so wait was it 70.6 7d 70 i i i'm looking this up now because i don't even believe you i know i've seen the number i just my brain autocorrected to 7.6 billion which no, is already a big number. <laughs> uh, go up an order of magnitude there. That's that's $68.7 billion. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think Overwatch might be saved. It's one thing to say, like, oh, you threw money at something to fix a problem. That's a whole freaking ton of money to throw at a problem. All I'm saying is it remains to be seen. We very well might see it, but it remains to be seen. What this means is now we have developers that are underneath major corporate giants. And so there's things to answer to. There's issues that could pop up across the board. But we have potentially this thing, this concept now of a ship that won't sink entirely. That's why I think Microsoft buying really did. And it's interesting that you're... The, mo- the, ma- the majority of your mind space on this whole thing is taken up by Overwatch because my mind space was taken up by uh, the fact that Call of Duty is not going to be multi-platform going forward. Uh, See, I don't believe that. There, there's there's been nothing confirming. And if Microsoft doesn't go in turn with what Sony did for Bungie, I'll be surprised. Um, because really what Microsoft's doing when they're buying up these studios is putting them on Game Pass, but that does not mean they're exclusive to Game Pass. They're just more things to add to the Game Pass library. Um, because you can sure. still play games outside of Game Pass that are on Game Pass. Right. But but I'm pretty sure, like, Elder Scrolls 6, I'm pretty sure that is confirmed to be Xbox and PC exclusive. And I would argue that that makes sense because it's a single player and single players have always been treated as exclusive type games. Okay, but if, if let's they... just look real quick what Xbox has done in the recent past and what they've already told their community over and over again what they've promised. 
they have promised that they will do multi-platform gaming and not exclude because they are devoted to one player base. They have said this multiple times on record and dealing with all games that were having issues with cross-platform. Um, multiple games were like, we can't save across platform. And gamers have been saying this for years now of like, why can't we be multi-platform? Why can't I play a game on one platform and swap to another and have the same account? And Xbox came out and was like, Sony's stopping this from happening, but we already have agreed to do this. Yeah, by cutting Sony out of the deal. No. Sony just straight up said no because they thought they were going to lose too much money out of the deal. Because Sony's will always operate on exclusives. And this, the, so let me clarify some information real quick because I don't think you know anything about the uh, Sony Bungie buyout aside of this stuff. Yeah, I know um, it happened. That's about it. Yeah, so Sony did something unprecedented, which is why I am 100% believing that Call of Duty will not be platform exclusive because Sony has done this for Destiny 2. They have committed that Destiny 2 will remain cross-platform on all the platform it's currently on. It has full creative control and that Sony, though buying them, has no control on what platforms it's played on and what the content is. Well, Destiny 2 is already a released game. You can't unrelease a game. Yes, but Warzone is a constant game that is now tied to the franchise and is treated as anything that's Call of Duty comes out and is related to Warzone now. That's what they've changed into in the last two years. I'm not saying they're taking Warzone off of the PS PlayStation. I'm saying, like... Call of Duty 20 is not going to be on PlayStation or whatever they're at now. I I don't I think it will be. Um I I, I will see when it happens. To, yeah, I'll, I'll wait to see when it happens. But that's this is what blows people's minds though is this is Sony saying that. And Bungie also informing the community is like, "No, our deal with Sony means this much information it does not mean that we are we are taking our player base away in the future games." They have committed to this. That is insane because Sony has never done this. Yeah, but you can't mess with an established player base like that. You for can. For a game that already exists. You can, because Bungie already kind of crapped the bed with Beyond Light whenever they got rid of half of the uh, story from before. That's like, not That's not taking away... That's not taking their toys from people the that already base. have them, though. It did, because we all had the people had bought those expansions and then they got rid of the expansions for everyone. You can't play those anymore, even if you wanted to. Okay, but it's 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 a game as a service, right? Right. It's like an ever-expanding meal. You take away one plate and you put another one down. I will be surprised if Call of Duty is treated differently but you don't take the table away you take the food away is what i'm saying i mean fair enough all i know is everyone was really worried when sony acquired bungie because of this reason because sony's notorious for making everything exclusive i guess if they really wanted to they could have pulled a industry altering unprecedented sort of thing like that but well they spent 3.6 billion dollars on this whereas bungie was imp everyone was impressed when bungie raised 250 million for development um it was like a crowd it was a funding round and they got the development so that they could be their own company and run it and so everyone was impressed by that and then they were bought out for 3.6 billion 
That's more than Bungie's operating budget had ever been close to. And they only have one game currently. Exactly. It's not a franchise. It's a platform. If a you platform, delete the platform, have, del- well, you say this, but like that Bungie's already committed to like three more games on the way in developing. So like, like separate part, titles or expansions? Yeah, separate titles. These are not they they've been hiring on from multiple roles that are not related to Destiny. Okay, and are those titles also going to be on the Xbox? Bungie's going to be on Sony, so PlayStation, but that's uh, exactly my point. <laughs> it no one knows for certain what role that's going to play. Um which is again my point. So I I want to approach this though from the look of like what these games are, what these studios, what what the difference is with Microsoft versus Sony, because like no one is sure why Sony would put three point six billion into a company that has only one title currently in developing others. But I mean, it's a promising company across the board. Bungie's impressive, and sense of like what they have done on their own, buying themselves out and then still being successful. My um, first thought was that they could take the experience from the Bungie devs and uh, use them to promote the shooter IPs that they already have, like Killzone and SOCOM. That is potentially something, but I would be surprised if they didn't keep the devs on Destiny 2 because Destiny 2 makes lots of money. Um, well, I wouldn't say they wouldn't do not do both. That's fair. Uh, what I think is actually happening with Sony buying Bungie is something that most people aren't looking at, but... Sony isn't a video game company. Neither like, is Microsoft. Neither is Microsoft. But what is Sony that Microsoft isn't? Sony is an entertainment company. Sony has movies and TV shows they developed. Like we just got done talking about a Sony movie. So like there's a high potential that people have been looking at as like Sony buying Bungie means that they're going to be like, hey, this is a universe with a ton of lore. The reason I play Bungie to, or Destiny 2 so much and give Bungie way too much money is because their lore is incredible and it beats out anything I played in Halo or anything I played in other like lore universes. Like I love reading and like learning about the lore of Destiny 2. They can start making TV shows. They can start making movies. They can do all these other media outlet things with what this story is from Destiny. Okay. And so Sony might have just bought what is not equivalent, but kind of equivalent to Disney having Star Wars. Because they have bought a a pretty well thought out and very large uh, sci-fi universe. They can and develop he, the IP, I guess so. Like Halo has having a TV show as well, so. Yeah, also, are you going to put that on the server so we can watch it? Yeah, because it's on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, yeah no. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Moving so on. <laughs> I, I think that there's a lot to uh, come into play here with potential for IP. And I think that Sony bought it for different reasons than Microsoft got Bungie Activision for clearly the difference of one studio was still perfectly fine. There was no signs that Bungie was slowing down. If anything, Bungie was getting better. 
And meanwhile, Activision Blizzard was crapping the bed. Yeah. Um, so it's I, just one was huge and falling, whereas one was small, relatively, and rising. Yeah. And so I think Sony did kind of a favor to the fans of Destiny 2 because like they didn't do a favor. It was business transaction. That was good. But what we're gaining from this is Bungie was already trying to hire more devs. They were trying to get more backing and they were trying to get more growth. And so now Sony being the giant corporation they are can actually throw developers and money at Destiny 2 to get growing. But then not just that, but other games that Bungie's been trying to develop. I think that's what interests me more than Destiny is what other things do they have cooking? Yeah, one of them is uh, apparently supposed to be like a uh, parkour type game or something like that. I think I remember hearing. Um, and another one I think sounded a lot like GarageBand or whatever. I don't know. They're they're very out there games from what I saw popping Gar- through. GarageBand or Rock Band? Rock Band. Interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would have to look up again because there was like a bunch of stuff posted about job openings for different games that they were developing because it was not going to be FPS. They were, they made that clear. So, which is so different. But then also Bungie apparently has some really old IPs that people have forgotten about that they also can like kind of resurrect with Sony. I thought the first thing they did was Halo. Nope. It was not... The first thing uh, at least, anyway, I should say. Uh, so let's see. Uh, they had Marathon, Myth, and Oni were th- several games that they had made before Halo, from 1994 to 2001. Were these uh, on like Apple computers? Um. Let's see. Marathon was a first-person shooter. Um, Big surprise. They, they showed them at the MacWorld Expo. So I think these were originally for computers. Yeah. Um, the, it was they had designed some of these games to be alternatives for what Mac or from what PC had, which was Doom and System Shock. Um, That's ancient history. Yeah, no, we're it talking mean, really old, but they can resurrect these IPs and like have some probably games now that maybe had good stories back then, but definitely not the technology to back. Um, so who's to say Bungie is if it's one thing I've learned about Bungie is they are very good at storytelling. So they they just do a lot of things right in their FPS games that they've done over the years, and if they can transfer even a little bit of what they've done with the games, because like one of our big things about Destiny Two is it's a puzzle game. Like you loot and shoot, but the raids, the mechanics in them, are oftentimes really difficult mechanics and puzzles to solve. So it's it's uh and I mean once someone figures it out it's like okay everyone can do this but that's that's the case with any puzzle right like if you, you if someone once has you know you know yeah but like the, the reality is like world's first raids some of them have taken a full day which is crazy because like some raids have been three hours whereas some have been like oh yeah no this team that is composed of some of the best testing players ever and also some guys that have like solved 
binary problems and like because there's been binary coded uh easter eggs throughout destiny 2 um but some of these people like there's one raid group called math class led by dado who's like the top tier knows everything about destiny and they still could take hours to complete a raid because they have to solve these mechanics on the fly so it's Bungie does really good at a lot of things in video games. FES is top of their list of things that they've done. Basically the only thing that's majorly them, but they've definitely explored other things inside of their FPS games. Sounds like the thing that they're bad at is business and Sony may step in. And I don't know if they're bad at the business side because they bought themselves out of an art business to get better creative control. I think that was the big <laughs> well, issue. They were literally standing in a fire an active fire and they were like yeah let's not stand in this fire anymore i don't know if i would say that's a that's, smart that's, move so much as a necess- necessary one yeah yeah they came from activision i didn't realize at the time how much of my video games just come from one developer company before yeah. bungie went by itself yeah because like activision kind of has all my business in terms of the games i put all my time towards but then Bungie went by themselves, and I didn't actually get into Bungie until after they had kind of bought themselves out. Um, that's when they went free to play. Yeah. And then I spent way too much money because they have a really good quality game. I just can't recommend it to anyone right now because it's really hard to pick up right now. Yeah, I've heard it's not very good for newcomers. But Yeah, I have friends who are into it, but they're not into it for the lore, which is, I think, the problem because, like, they won't buy any of the expansions. They're just there for the multiplayer stuff that we do together. I, I, if you remember, I played a little while and I tried to understand and get into the lore, but it's, it's dense. It is dense, and that's why I like it so much. But I also know that's not a thing for everyone. It's dense um, in a way that the game does not help you cut into. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. It, I don't know. Learning curves are across the board for it all. Um, I think one thing we can say is what happened with buying these companies for these major corporations with Sony and Microsoft. I don't think it was bad, but I also don't know what the result is going to be in the end. Yeah, it's so it's it was such a big move. It's like. All right, I can't think of a analogy. I was going to say it's like an earthquake, but I feel like earthquakes are unequivocally bad. Yeah. Um, uh, it's the point being it's unprecedented and we'll yeah, see where it we, goes. We we've seen them. We've seen Microsoft buy big studios before, but just the level of what we now see Microsoft doing. And then in turn, we'll see what Sony is doing. It's just going to be interesting to see what video games look like in four years time from now, because yeah. four years time should be about the time when we majorly see all these developer studios coming out with games that were backed primarily from Microsoft or Sony. Until until that time frame hits, really, it's going to be mostly games that they already had started developing. Or even in the case, games that were already in development, but we just hadn't gotten much headway. So I, I think it, it's going to be a long term thing. We'll be I mean, obviously, we're both gamers. All our friends are gamers. So like we'll be monitoring it regardless, because it's just the type of world we're in. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what this does across the industry because we want more competition and like we have competition like Ubisoft is still its own thing. EA still has everything like 
there are still separations to be made here. It's not like Sony and Microsoft own everything, but at least for Ten- me, Tencent wow. is still a thing too. Yeah. Like there's still plenty of studios that are separate from major corporations. But for me, all my games I care about now are owned by either Microsoft or by Sony. And for me, almost none of them are. So, well, well, not not in this. There is not. okay. in this current buyout, there's nothing that was major. Not not for these purchases. But Sony does own a lot that I like. I was about to say, you were griping for a while on our Discord about which games that you were like, oh, no, I'm going to lose this stuff or it's not going to be as good or something. Part of that was me being mistaken at who owned from software. Actually, yeah. all of that was me being mistaken <laughs> <laughs> with who owns from software. But yeah, that's, and I that's mean, it's cool. it's interesting to see also because like I, Shay and I friends for years now, but we both have very different games that we play. I like, like single have... player story games. You like multiplayer competitive games. And also story games like it's not like I don't like, but I like multiplayer story. Somewhere there's a quote of you saying if I want a story, I'll read a book or watch a movie. There is a quote for that, but what is destiny? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. You tell me at this point. You're the expert. Point, yeah, yeah, no, I, I have way too much time. I have over 600 hours in destiny since 2019 end of the year. Um, so in just two years, I've caught up to what is now basically my most played game of all time. Um, so, yes, I... I normally am not a huge story person in games because games are, for me are about socializing. But that is not to say that I don't enjoy a game with good story. Um, it's just not the main thing I'll do. And it is for me. Yeah. And so this is the perspective of like, I mean, we still play games together. We still have some games we enjoy. Mostly they're like party type games or otherwise. But uh, across the board, you, you with this podcast, you'll see two different very perspectives on game industry and gaming in general because we both love this industry and love what we get to do with our free time, but it's also very, very different roles that we get to enjoy. We both love the food. We just have different taste Taste. buds. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we are probably way over an hour into this podcast at this point. This will be a long one, but it's also the beginning of a new set uh, season for the podcast. So, uh, well, I don't know if I'll make it. I'll just make it a new season. Why not? Uh, so anyways, thanks for watching GPU podcast. Uh, we appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, join us on this long discussion about movie we loved and then seeing the games that we love and the industry that we love and how it's changing and everything being done to it. Um, so uh, don't know how soon in the future you can look forward to the next one. Maybe two weeks time, maybe a month. It just depends on, I guess, topics that we love to talk about and uh, what what we can uh, plan on talking through. So uh, if there's any suggestions, go visit the uh, Gamers Process YouTube channel and comment on a video. We don't have a lot of comments on there, so if you comment, we'll see it. Um, yep. But uh, otherwise, uh, thanks for coming out, and have a great morning, afternoon, evening, and or night. Good day. Good day. <laughs>